0: It's a joy to be here. I've known um, your pastors for a long time, very long time, but uh, got to know them uh, when they were on staff at James River. So when I got this invitation, it was a yes. I didn't even need to pray. Um, But I was so thankful and grateful. And I want to personally thank you guys. I know you just heard from your pastor that y'all support the work that I'm involved in and my staff in America and across the world. Uh, In our facilities in America, we take young women from all 50 states, no matter what the issue is, sex trafficking, sexual abuse, eating disorders, cutters, suicidal, um, pregnancy. We had to create our own adoption agency, even as a result of all the pregnant girls taken in and had the, uh, the, the thankful to be able to help young women who wanted to parent to be able to make that choice. So over the years, hundreds of babies saved from abortion, because the girls had a place where they could come and choose life. And so I'm grateful for all the lives that have been saved. I'm grateful for your support. I want you to know that we really pray for our partners to be blessed. So it is encouraging to me because we prayed over your giving to us and it's encouraging to me to see this thriving, growing. I was telling Pastor Scott and and Jen in the back, you know, I felt this is a healthy, thriving church. You can just feel it. And it's just awesome. And y'all, y'all just get started. Y'all, 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 this is like a drop in the ocean compared to what God's going to do here. And I'm saying that by the spirit of God, I know I am. So, uh, just get ready. Uh, but I want to thank you. You know, we prayed for your church to be blessed and uh, another one of our partners that, uh, that you guys will know about is a guy by the name of Steve Spagnuolo, who's the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. We prayed for him to be blessed, people. So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm taking some credit here for the Super Bowl win. You live in Nashville with the Titans, you got to be happy about something. Kind of like y'all's baseball team. Hey, use your faith. 'Cause that used to be the Chiefs, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just imparting faith here to the people of God in this house that love sports. Listen, I've been known to get lay my, my hands on the TV screen and pray when my team's behind and then they come back. So I believe in you some faith. But I, I'm telling you, it's it's fun to be for you guys I know to live here and to get to be a part of that. It's just so cool. So anyway. Um I am celebrating along with my wonderful staff in America and staff members and offices across the world our 40th anniversary year this year and um, so I thought it would be good before I bring the word uh, if I would show you a brief video so gonna take about four minutes to get caught up on 40 years and uh, just want y'all to see everything you see uh, in this video buildings whatever it may be it's all debt-free and uh God has blessed us and we've seen the hand of God transform people that the experts of the world said was not possible. So just take a look at the screen. I worked at a girls correctional facility for five years. I was so frustrated working for the government because I knew that they were being told, you're damaged goods, you'll never be able to make anything out of your life because your life is too far gone. So they weren't given any hope. And that just frustrated me to no end, because it doesn't matter what you've done or who you've done it with or where you've been, there's nothing too hard for God. He loves you. He's not mad at you for the things you did. He wants to take your life and make something great out of it. If these girls weren't treated like a number, if they were treated like an individual, and that we could help them according to what their individual need is, instead of a broken system, that's where everybody's treated the same and no one comes out getting the help they need. After the five years I got recruited to work in emergency child protective services here in Nashville, which means that my unit was on call 24 hours a day. I couldn't hardly handle what I was seeing, little children that were being horribly physically and sexually abused. And over those eight years that I worked for the government, I realized that God was showing me all the programs that taxpayers pay for that look good and sound good on paper, but the reality is they don't change lives. God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and set captives free. He's called his people to do that because only Christ can forgive sin, heal broken hearts. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. January 15th, 1983, I left Nashville and drove to Louisiana to start the first summer. God gave me three principles and those three things were take the young women and free of charge because most of them could not get the help they need if they had to pay. Principle number two was, your needs will be met through your giving. So we tithe as an organization 10% to other organizations that are helping people. And uh, the third thing was, do not take any funding that would restrict the freedom to share about the love and forgiveness of Christ. And to this day, we're still doing those three things. We'll never stop. I got a call from a pastor in Nashville, and he said, I've heard about the work you're doing in Louisiana, and I just wanted you to know that we need the same thing in Nashville. We were so excited when we opened Nashville We had 40 additional beds, but it wasn't long till we had a waiting list yet again. And I believe 2005 that we opened the St. Louis home. And after we opened the St. Louis home, we got a call from a gentleman in Sacramento. And so we built a 40 bed facility there that was millions of dollars. And as the homes were increasing in the United States, uh, we started opening international locations. The United Kingdom, Canada, places that I never dreamed that I would go to, much less start a home. In 2015, just praying one day and I just felt like, you know, we needed to change the name. I just realized our magazine was called Multiply. Mercy Multiplied literally became multiplication in every area. You know, in 2015, I wrote a book called Ditch the Baggage, Change Your Life. We collaborated with our staff from the United Kingdom and the American staff got together. And they took that book and fleshed out an eight-week study, which is called Keys to Freedom. That spread throughout the United States and all across Europe and now it's in five languages and there are more languages coming on even as we speak with these empower workshop trainings that we do we are all about equipping men and women no matter what their age we have people come from all over the United States they're able to learn and take that back to their city so that they can reach people that they come across and bring freedom to their lives we are really working to expand our church services so that they are readily equipped and available to help new people coming in to be able to get the freedom that they need. We've had so many people that said, hey, I got a full-time job, or I'm a guy and I need help. And we realized that we needed to develop outpatient programs. They come in for counseling, men and women of all ages, and we take them there, and they come in for counseling usually once a week i think god's future for mercy multiplied is just that more multiplication we have plans to open more residential facilities we have property in the panhandle of florida i see us opening more of the outpatient programs when i look back to 1983 when we started the first home there in west monroe louisiana i thought i was going there initially just to do that for the rest of my life i am overwhelmed when i think back to the small beginnings of 1983 and how it's grown across the world and continues to multiply. It blows my mind and it makes me realize how big God is. Thank you, so you're a part of all that, so thank you for making it possible for young women who could, you know, it's not only if they can pay or not, but it's also are they gonna trust us if we're trying to make money off their problem. And they look from every angle and they can open their hearts to us and receive. And in our residential facilities in America, uh, the age range is 13 to 32, we have a magazine on your chair, there's way more details in that magazine and some testimonies, and that's our 40th anniversary year uh, publication, and I ask you to take that home with you because you never know when a young lady may come across your path that needs help, and we take girls from all 50 states, ages 13 to 32. Uh, all we need from them is a willing heart. You can go to our website, and it, it shows how it shows all our locations. It shows how uh, to interact with, application portal a girl can go online and apply and then she'll get a call from us and it goes from there so we've seen thousands of young women walk through our doors in the residential part over the years that's just been so cool to see you know the experts of the world they go to college and universities and they get many degrees to be doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and those that don't believe in God believe that they are the experts and they're frustrated because they can't they're not seeing results. And so we have so many young women who have been in those places. And they, those places are about treatment. But mercy is about transformation by the power of Jesus Christ. So that's what, uh, that's what is different. I guess you could call it the Jesus factor. Uh, because that's what David Wilkerson used to call it when he started Teen Challenge. The Jesus factor. And so that's what it is. He's the difference maker. Only Christ can come in to our hearts and lives and give us a new heart and a new spirit and forgive sin and heal broken hearts, heal broken bodies, heal broken minds. He does it all. And there's nothing too hard for God. And all of this is by faith, and I'm going to talk about faith today. I feel like there's people in this room that maybe, maybe even some uh, watching online, but that you, maybe God's been dealing with you about something he wants you to do. So this is not just me telling my story, but this is a message that I believe is going to be an impartation of faith that will help you in your decision-making processes and your obedience to God, and st- taking a step toward of obedience toward whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I mean, we all have our excuses, you know. Well, I, I, I'm not, you know, all through the Bible. Oh Lord, I'm just a child. Don't say you're a child, but I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. You know what I'm saying? So put your excuses up and just know that the same God that works in you and in in each one of you and and in your pastors and in me and everybody else, we're co-laborers with Christ. And we're all technically, I know we call it full-time ministry because that's where we get our paycheck and all that. But honestly, we're all in full-time ministry. We're supposed to let our light shine everywhere we go. And, you know, the Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, even the ones that are tattooed and look weird and act weird. You know, it's fun to reach those people. It's fun. So we go with the love of Christ. And uh, John three sixteen. we know so well that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we all learned that scripture probably when we were a kid, whether you went to church or not. But I can't share that anymore, 3.16, without sharing the next verse. Because this is the important one for people and where they live and how we beat ourselves up for things that we maybe have done wrong. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And we have another verse that's not in my notes. I'm just going by what God's given me right now. But it says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. God is not here to condemn. He's here to show you. He is good, as your pastor said this morning. He is good, and he does good. And John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So no matter what mistakes you may or may have made or what, maybe you were the, a victim of, of someone else's abuse, you know, um, God can heal and restore and save to the uttermost, and he specializes in that. And you know, even the Bible says that when we receive Jesus Christ, we received him by faith. And there's a scripture that says, as we receive the Lord, so walk in him. We walk or walk out by faith. And we get to know the Lord and we hear, learn to hear his voice and, and do what he's telling us to do. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Your pastors know exactly what the scripture means because you're setting in the, the evidence of things not seen that they saw before it was. You with me? Yeah. And y'all were on that journey. Many of you have been on the whole journey with them. And I'm telling you, you better get ready. You haven't seen anything yet. But in in that, the next, uh, Romans 10, 17, uh, Brother Hagen uh, taught this scripture years ago when he was still living. He taught it like this. Faith comes by hearing the word of God over and over and over again. One time I led a guy to Christ and I gave him a Bible and he was the real intellectual type, sort of like all those... Doctors that don't acknowledge God. And so I gave him a Bible, and he called me about a month later, and he goes, hey, I finished that book. You got anything else? <laughs> Come on now. Don't be like that. Don't It's it, it, it in our spirit. You know, his word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. So we're not going to miss the point. Faith comes by hearing the word over and over again. I'm going to cover three topics today very quickly because of time. But I want to touch on faith for direction, faith for provision, and faith for changed lives. And some of these are going to overlap a little bit. But you saw in the video I talked about uh, going in January of 83, leaving Tennessee where I grew up to go to Louisiana, probably because I needed to learn how to walk in faith and trust God to meet my needs and not people that I knew. So I didn't know the people there. And today, by the way, there's a resource table out there that I want to mention before I get into the message. Y'all saw me talk about Ditch the Baggage, Change Your Life, and that's where the Keys to Freedom study came out of. And then Echoes of Mercy is the first book I wrote, and it's a story. It's been updated. So it's been updated to bring you up to present time, but uh, it's a whole story back all the way back to when I worked for the government, what I saw when I saw boys and, and little boys and little girls being raped and sodomized and used and abused and violated and beat up and just all the uh, horrible things that I would read about in the paper, but I'd never seen it with my own eyes. And when I did, it just broke my heart. And it, it, I'm like, God, why are you making me see all this stuff? And basically, he said, you just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls in a teenage prison, 300 people, girls at a time, sent by juvenile court judges. He said, you just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls, and now I'm, I've got you investigating child abuse cases because I'm taking you back in time and I'm showing you where all the anger came from because this is the stuff that happened to those teenage girls when they were little kids and you know God started talking to me about the why behind the what and showing me all that so I write about all that in here and and, and then mercy and, and many many faith-building stories so Every book that I've written, I've never taken a penny of royalty money. of The sales of these books, it all goes back to help Mercy continue to do what we do. So these are usually $15 a piece, but today we bundled these two books for you to get for, uh, you can get both for $20, and that'll go to Help Our Girls, so that's another way you can support. This is the book I said I would never write, Mission of Mercy. So it's about my childhood. Very painful childhood. If you want the dirt on me, that's the book to get. Um, some of y'all. how many of y'all remember when Netflix came out with a series called 13 Reasons Why? It was about a, a high school girl that committed suicide. It's very dark. I'm not encouraging you to go watch it. But I watched it because I needed to watch it. Because every girl that was walking through the doors of mercy had already seen it. And uh, this high school girl ended up committing suicide and leaving uh, 13 cassette tapes. Uh, it was... Obviously, older story. People go, what's a cassette tape? Uh, But left those behind to 13 people that she blamed for her choosing to take her life. And I got mad when I read it because I thought somebody needs to answer that. It's too dark. And, you know, it it helped me to watch it because I needed to understand more deeply what was going on in the school system and the bullying and all the stuff. But anyway, uh, uh, the sex... Sexual abuse, all that. Um, so anyway, this was my answer to the Netflix series, and it's called "Thirteen Re- Treatment or Transformation: Thirteen Real Stories Why You Can't Argue with the Changed Life." And it's thirteen individual stories of girls who had a very different outcome after multiple suicide attempts, simply because uh, simply because they chose to reach out for help. Tell you the truth. And they came to a place that could give them the kind of help they need. Because the Bible says that without a vision, the people perish. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, these are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future. And that's what God wants. So so we've had a lot of girls that have read this book and have chosen to come to mercy instead of ending their life. So I'm thankful for that. And then here's the keys to freedom. Um, Study Guide, Leaders Guide, and that map you saw is all that spread all over to those nations around the world, and we're getting testimonies from men and women. This is this is for men and women. So, um, so when God started dealing with me to leave Tennessee and go to Louisiana to start Mercy, I was it was it was in the fall of eighty two. He had already given me these are the three things I want you to do, free of charge, and You know, open a facility and tithe as an organization. And I'm like, there was no organization. I had no money. Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, when you're, you know how God will tell you things and your own understanding goes, say what? You know, well, God gave us a verse. Thankfully, it's actually become one of my life verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. To your own understanding. Don't let your own understanding talk you out of what God may be putting on your heart. Step out and do. But but lean not to that. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. So, I, I was back in Nashville th- talking about Him directing my path. I had d- those three things. I want you to do these three things. And if you'll do those three things, it'll always i always provide for you. Well, that was 40 years ago. And we're still doing those three things. How many of you know he is the Lord thy God and he does not change? And he said, I will not alter the thing that has come out of my mouth. Well, he, he spoke out of his mouth to my spirit, but that is really having to do with this. He will not, his word is forever settled in heaven. So that August thing, y'all all need to jump into that. That's super Cool. Because we all need to, uh, to have more faith. And faith comes by hearing the word over and over again. So I'm back in Nashville. It's 82. I've got the three things I know I'm supposed to go. And so I'm back in Nashville in my apartment praying, God, give me what I need. And then I'll go. And he goes, Oh no, 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 no. He goes, you don't understand. He said, It's you go to the place that I've showed you to go to. And your provision will be on that path. But it's not going to come until you take that first step and go to the place I've called you to go to. And so God was, what was he doing? He was correcting me. He was teaching me. He was showing me. He was training me. What does the word do? God's word is for correction, for uh, instruction in righteousness and training. That the man and woman of God may be complete, mature, mature. It says perfect in some uh, versions, but that means mature and the things of God. So God was trying to grow me up. And so during that time, I finally got it, so I started making plans. And during that time, it, in late 82, I had an, a vision. It wasn't an open vision. It was in, my, in my, the movie screen of my mind, is what I call it. And in this vision, I was out in a deep, dark forest. It was so dark, you couldn't see the hand in front of your face. And there was nothing around. It was a dark forest, trees everywhere. And so I had a little flashlight and I was shining it way out here in front of me, trying to see, you know, way off into the future. And in this vision, the Lord spoke to me and he said, put the, you're trying to shine your light out there and I, to see what your whole life is gonna be. And I haven't said I would order your life in my word, I said I've ordered your steps in my word and he said take the light that I've given you which is what the next step so take the light that I've given you and shine it down at your feet and you will have enough light to take the next step because I kept falling over when I was doing this I kept falling over the debris and, and uh, stumps and trees and things that were in front of me that I couldn't see so when I, he said you got enough light to take one step so take that step And then when you take that step, you have enough light to take the next step and the next and the next and the next. And that's what it's been like me for the last 40 years. And my current state is that my steps in year 40 have led me to be standing in front of you today. So God orders our steps and directs our path. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way. But remember, take that first step. You go, well, I don't know what the second step's gonna look like, or the third you won't until you take the first. Every now and then, he'll show you two steps, but in his grace. But for the most part, that's the way, at least it's been for me. But when I had that, when, when we get something like that, I want word to back it up. And God loves to confirm things with his word. So he took me to Psalm 119, 105. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How cool is that? That is an exact scripture what I just shared. Psalm 119, 133, he orders my steps in his word. So that's just like a little nutshell thing about direction. But God, that's, that's how it comes in his word. And, he'll, he, and, and we seek him and he'll show us what he wants us to do. But the key is to take a step of obedience into whatever it is that God's asking you to do. And you won't understand it all. You might not understand anything, but it'll, it'll become plain eventually. Forty years into it for me, I'm more excited about what I'm doing today than I've ever been. Forty years into it. I'm excited. I feel like we're just getting started. And I'm going to live a long life on the earth. I'm just telling you all that. So, anyhow, uh, my the young people on my staff hate it, but I can, my energy is... To the max, and I can run circles around them. But hey, God keeping me young, right? And uh, anyway, I'm I, I'm thankful for that energy. And you know, somebody else I noticed had a lot of energy this morning. Your it's the Holy Spirit energy. It's a God thing. It's really cool. But hey, faith for provision. That was another one. Like I I leave Nashville and go to Louisiana with a thousand dollars in my pocket, and I have to pay my first month's rent in this place I'd rented and buy some groceries, and that pretty well took care of that. And, of course, I gave my personal 10%, but I saw an attorney set up the 501c3, and God started opening doors and divinely connecting me to people in that area, and things started happening. We got that first home open, and I think the year, about three years into it, 1985, 86, right in there, there was a lot, the older people remember this Group in uh, there were quite a few groups in the streets fighting at abortion clinics. So I, I'm I am like for life all the way, but I'm not for fighting physically with people and yelling and screaming at people that see it differently. You know the Bible says that the that that they're that they're blind. They can't see. So what are we going to be yelling at a blind person for? Because they can't see. I mean, that's kind of crazy if you take that in the natural. But God showed me, that's not my spirit. Like, people had heart. You know, People, would, some people would go there and peacefully pray. That's a great thing. But then there was violence that broke out. And people were getting put in jail for blocking abortion clinic doors and I sought the Lord about all that and he said that's not what I want you to do What I want you to do is start taking in unwed mothers Start taking in the young women who are carrying the baby and lead them to Jesus and get them filled with the Holy Spirit And help them hear from God about whether to place their baby or parent their baby And you prepare them for whatever decision they make and support them in that process And so we started taking in pregnant girls when well, we ran out of room and so we bought property next door. We had a fundraiser. We needed to build a second building. And we didn't have the money to do it. And so we had, we had that fundraiser brought in $15,000. So if you're going to build a building, you know that's not very much. I was so disappointed. I just knew that somebody was going to give us a big check and do the whole thing. But it didn't happen that way. So I went to the Lord, what's, what's this about? And he said, I want you to sow that seed as a seed, what was given at that fundraiser. And believe me for a miracle. So... Our board said yes, the people that gave the money said yes, and that's what we did. So we sowed it. So a couple of months, uh, a little while after that, uh, maybe a month, maybe a few weeks, I got invited to speak in an evangelism conference. It was already on my schedule in Las Vegas. So a few weeks after that, I left to go, and we were there for uh, eight days. You know, we did uh, uh, evangelism at night, up late. That city never shuts down if you've ever been there And so, I was so tired when I got on that plane, man. I just wanted to crash. I was peopled out. And so, I look around the plane, and there's only one seat left on that plane. It was right next to me. And I'm just like, God, you love me so much. You're so good. I can stretch out. I can take a nap. So, I was really looking forward to my nap, and I was so tired and just really needed some sleep and rest. And so... Right before the cabin door closes, here comes this guy down the aisle. Well, I knew he had to be coming to sit next to me because that was the only open seat. So, you know, I wasn't trying to believe God for anything other than sleep. So I laid my head back and pretended to be asleep. And he's poking my arm. Hey, lady, I, I, I was asleep till we started taxiing out. I really wasn't asleep, but I pretended to be till he started poking my arm. Hey, lady, how much money did you? lose gambling in Las Vegas this week. And I'm like, well, I didn't gamble, what? You went to Vegas and you didn't gamble? Like, what were you doing here? And that was not a yes or no, so I engaged in him, never got to go to sleep, engaged with him all the way to the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport where he got off and I got my connection to go back to Monroe, Louisiana. And as I got off the plane, He said, hey, you got any contact details? And I gave him a crumpled up black and white brochure. Those color ones are really pretty. Y'all need to take them today because we've graduated to a higher level. But anyway, so I gave it to him. And back then it was landlines, right? So he had my office number. And so two or three weeks later, he called. My assistant came and got me and said, there's a guy on the phone. he said to tell you he was the man on the plane and you'll know who he is. I said, yep, I sure do. So I went to the phone. And he goes, listen, I got to tell you this. He said... My whole adult life, when I get under stress in my job, I go to Vegas and I party and I gamble and I chase women. And he said, this time I went there and I didn't like what being there. I knew I shouldn't be there because three months before I met you on that plane, I got born again. And he said, this is not what I need to be doing. And he said, I sat through three planes flying standby and I got the last seat on the plane that day next to you. And he said, I'm a new believer and I still use profanity and smoke cigarettes and and but he said i get up every morning and i pray and i read my bible while i'm smoking my cigarettes and drinking my coffee i started laughing i thought it was funny because i'm like god's gonna clean you up fish but anyhow (laughs) uh, so he said every morning i keep seeing your face and i feel like god is telling me you're trying to build something what are you trying to build so i told him we have this property we've got all these girls and by the way, the worship team, come on up. They're coming, I think. Um, but the pastor did tell me I could take a little longer in this service. Just, just warning you guys. Uh, but anyhow, so here's what happened. I told him what we were trying to build, and we needed more room for these, all these pregnant girls that were coming in. Because back in that day, everybody was concerned about the baby, but very few people wanted to help the girl. And the Lord said, you make that girl carrying the baby your priority, and the baby will be taken care of as an automatic byproduct of her relationship with God. So we did that, and so I told him that's what we were believing for. He started crying, and it just shocked me. It took me back, and I waited, and finally he said, Nancy, I'm 40 years old, and 40 years ago, I was the product of a violent rape. My mother was a teenage girl, and she chose to have me. And when I was three days old, I was placed in a wonderful adopted family. And last year, my adopted mom passed away and left me with several million dollars. And I've been looking for something to do in memory of her. How much more money do you need? So he finished what we needed, wrote the check, and paid for the rest of what we needed to build that building. So when we walk in obedience to God, God will set up divine appointments for us. And uh, so, anyway, I'm gonna move back into my favorite part, which is the Faith for Changed Lives. And I just, just since I just told that story about unwed mothers, I'm gonna show you a couple of pictures that I think you're gonna love to see. Um, If you'll put up slide three for me, please. This picture was taken a couple of years after we started taking in the unwed mothers. Let me get out of the way. And it was me with these babies on a blanket. The one on the right-hand side, the little blonde boy, he was an hour away from being aborted. And I went to his birth mother's apartment at the request of her dad. She opened the door, was blowing, smoking my face and calling me everything, but nice. she get the point. And so that little boy, she was an hour away. And she goes, you need to hurry up because I've got an appointment and in an hour. I said, I know you do. And God gave me a word of knowledge. He said, tell her. She's an addict, and she believes this baby's going to be deformed. And he said, tell her that if she'll choose life, that I'll take care of her baby. I put my, and I told her that, and she began, broke down and sobbed and cried, and I put my hand on her womb, declared that this baby would be perfect. And she was on a plane two days later to the only home we had at the time, which was in Louisiana. And now Parker is 32 years old, and he's still in my life. But we did a reenactment with these kids. So if you go to the next slide, number four, I want to show you. So, it's just powerful. All grown up, powerful stuff. So, there is nothing too hard for God. He oh, and shut. Put up number five. I want to see you. you, you that's Parker's birth mother. How beautiful a picture is that? That was ten years ago at our 30th anniversary celebration. Beautiful girl, scared. And God touched her and she got free and had Parker. So he's the joy of her life. So anyhow, so that's kind of a cool story. I going to tell you one more. You know, there's a lot of experts out there, but they don't, they deny the existence of God. And uh, they're frustrated. I quoted that scripture already about how God said in 1 Corinthians 1, 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. There's some things that only God can do. And only God can come inside of a person, give them a new heart and a new spirit, restore them, heal them, set them free in everything that they need to be set free of. No limits with God. No limits. And so a young girl walked through our doors after her parents had spent almost a million dollars in quite a few long stays of treatment centers that charge anywhere from... 20, 50,000 a month. I mean, she went to all the quote unquote best places. But treatment is not transformation. And she was paying a lot of money for them to treat her symptoms, but they weren't getting to the root causes of what the issue was. And so, a girl in her town that graduated from Mercy, after the experts sent her down with her parents and said, You're going to die. You've destroyed your body. And we don't think you're going to live from this eating disorder. It's too far gone. If you do manage to live, you'll be in institutions the rest of your life, never live a normal life, never be able to have children, all the nevers. You know, God loves to take the, the ungodly people's nevers and just prove himself strong on our behalf. He loves that. And so this girl came to Mercy with that diagnosis and we and all the labels and medications. And wh- long story short, in six months time, she was, comp- her, she was healed. Uh, received the Lord, got filled with the Holy Spirit. God healed her body. We pay attention to nutrition, all needs as well, and that's part of it. But then God does the part we can't do. And she got completely set free, goes back home, and just so excited about life, so about excited about God, got plugged into a church kind of like this one. And about a year, she kept in touch with me. About a year, she called me. She goes, I think I met the one. His name is Ryan. Please pray for me. And I said, my first question was, do your parents like him? Yes, they love him. Second question, do your pastors like him? Yes, they love him. I said, Okay. I'm pretty sure that if you got those blessings, you could have mine, but I want you to keep me informed. And she did. They ended up getting married and they believed God. They believed God. They and they broke the, we broke the lies of the enemy off of her when she was at mercy. We we say where the experts say you can't have children. We decree that your body is in perfect operating order, and when you get married, you will have children. We did all that stuff. And so uh, I want to show you the picture that I took with Kristen at her graduation from Mercy six months after being there. Uh, Slide number one. So that's Kristen and me at her graduation day in our Nashville home. And so then Kristen and Ryan did get married. And remember what the doctor said. You'll never be able to have children. I want you to take a look at the devil's never slide two. So no twins, no twins, no triplets, nine individual births. And I was joking with her. I said, do you need me to explain to y'all what's happening here? And, uh, so they wanted double digits, so they decided they would adopt number 10 from China. So that's the boy in front of, the, of Ryan. And that is a testimony of the power of God to heal, deliver, and restore, and defy the experts of the world who refuse to acknowledge the power of God. So um, I'm going to end with this scripture. So I think it's appropriate one to wrap up on. 1 Corinthians 2:4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but the power of God. Hallelujah.